You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Mm, are you ready? Ready. I'm not not ready, as we just discovered. I'm ready. <laughs> That's what matters. It doesn't matter if I'm sitting here facing the microphone instead of the computer. I am probably ready. What were we talking about? What was the before, <laughs> the after the like show discussion? <laughs> Cloning? Yes. But yeah. it's a t- such a long subject. It was it a long conversation. The- and what we find is that you live in a fantasy world about cloning and think that science fiction will take over Correct. and the world will become this one, um, what do you call it, non-sexual being that's according to someone's beauty... We don't. We haven't. We didn't determine that. Who decides what the beauty is a million years from now, and that then humans will be boring and it'll suck. And then I said, if that's the case, we'll just die off, and, and it doesn't true. matter. That's what'll happen. And if we do do cloning and we still die off, then we just die off, and that's just the way it is. I don't, I'm not opposed to cloning. Parts of people, people. There are reasons to do it. There are reasons not to do it. Just like everything else. I also think we should die off because we kind of suck. <laughs> not you and I. Not you and I. When we're gone. No one listening to this sucks. <laughs> Everyone listening to this and us need to stick around. They're the only people who don't suck. Every- <laughs> All the others do. I am not willing to say that because I don't know every person. So listening to this podcast gets you into this tiny little club of people who don't suck. <laughs> We've saved you. <laughs> Therefore, we are the leaders of the new order of the new world when yes. everyone else has cloned themselves into non-existence. True. You and I, I, will be the ruler. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> well, that was not part of the discussion, but I like the way it ended up there at the end. All right. So it is Saturday, February the 8th. This is after the show. This is the weekly movie podcast where we review a new movie, uh, usually on Blu-ray. And this week's movie... On after the show number 313 is About Time. It's About Time we reviewed this one, Sid Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Will your humor also die off? Yeah. Okay. Um, so this is a 2013 <laughs> movie released on Blu-ray on the 4th of February. So you can pick this one up now. It's rated R. It's from our friends at Universal. And Sid Talk, give us the synopsis about time. I hate this chair. I hate every chair in this yeah. house. Okay, synopsis. (laughs) Not that everyone wants to know that I hate my chair, but I do. Your chair is not involved in this podcast. My chair is not involved. (laughs) That has nothing to do with the movie. I can't if I'm not comfortable. Okay. The movie is... Well, it's out of the mind of Richard Curtis, so it's automatically an over. Who's Richard Curtis? He's a director. (laughs) Writer-director of Love Actually and something else. You know what else? Pirate Radio. Correct. And it's a it's an overly romanticized, very British comedic humor story about a young dude finding love in life a certain particular way. It's about love and loss and love and, and romance and love. That's the best synopsis <laughs> I've ever. <laughs> well, I find it all a bit sappy. So, you know, as we talk, then you'll know. I'm not knocking it. I enjoyed it very much. No, but... this isn't the review. This is the synop- <laughs> synopsis, please. End I'm of not... synopsis. <laughs> okay. My synopsis has now become extinct. Yeah. It is done. All right. So, 
Let's get on to the movie about time. This could contain spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie, I recommend you go and see it, and then come back and listen to what we, the rulers of this uh, cult... Our little world. <laughs> no, not a cult. <laughs> um, it can't be a cult if we're the only humans left. Correct. So go and let, watch this movie, come back, and then listen to us talk about it. So, about time. Did you know anything about it? Nothing. Aside from it was by Richard Curtis. I barely knew that. I think you reminded me of it, but no. I follow Richard Curtis's... Um, stuff and when I knew he was making a new movie I'm always excited he's only made he's only ever made three movies he's wrote a lot of stuff let me just tell everyone before we go any further you and I are married to each other it's been 14 years and I will tell everyone you are by all accounts a hopeless romantic now that might be buried under video game stuff and like you love your computer and you don't buy me flowers and all that other bullshit romantic stuff people think about but at heart you like happy love stories and you just you i can tell your heart just melts when people are presented characters are presented who genuinely fall in love or they're quirky or they're sweet and all these things i can just tell that so i think you're predisposed whether you like it or not, well, to appreciate these... I wouldn't call this romantic comedy, but I mean, it's humorous. I have to say, Richard Curtis movies, it's possibly because I'm British. Because they really are very British. Um, you know, they capture Britain in a... I, I, what he makes... Don't tell me they capture Britain, because it's too sappy. Yeah, in a way, though. What I'm saying, what actually Richard Curtis makes is adult fairy tales. That's what his movies are. Yeah. So, they're romanticised, they're very... I don't know this one. This one, in particular, is not as fluffy as his other ones. There is there is something a little grim about this one, too. But, mm. overall, they are... You know, romanticized versions, like a heightened version of the world. And we was listening to him talk on the extras, and he said something about it not being a heightened version, but it is a heightened. Absolutely, version. yeah. And I disagree. I think it's all fluffy. Just because some sad things happen in a movie doesn't mean it's grim. I mean, he doesn't normally fluffy. deal with sadness, and this one contains some. I disagree. Sadness. When your husband buys a sexy lady a, a fancy necklace, right? That yeah. is sad. There's some sad, but I guess death then. Let's talk, let's We're just say, putting that let's out there. That. There might be some death in this movie. Um, Romantic, fluffy death. And I'm predisposed to it, like you say. I, I like his very... It's a very British view. And it's a very... He's, he's an upper-class Brit, let's just say that. Absolutely. He's, so it's... You know, he comes from a posh family. Yeah, you're not he's gonna, a posh man. You're not going to identify with these people on a very no. middle-class level, I mean, ever. I mean, me as a British person, knew people like his characters. Let me just give a brief description. At college... Uh, we spent every summer on the water in our kind of what looks like a mansion, um, having tea at three in the beach. And, and yes, there are pl- plenty of people I stayed at home like with that. my parents until I was 21, and I was instantly a lawyer and went on to be a lawyer. Well, my father retired at 50, and my mother's a reader, and like a very... It's like a fairy tale. It's yeah. like Jack, Jack and the Beanstalk or something. It's, it's very... You know, Jack it... and the Beanstalk was poor. I don't. I don't mean about the class system. I mean about a person is in one thing until they're a certain age, and then they go off to do something, and then the tale begins. Like it's, True. it's like a, 
you know, here's the setup for them and here's when they go and do the thing. That I had to overcome in the first part of the movie. This, like, I'm not identifying with you people. I don't don't think many people could, but they're like the house on the hill kind of, like, uh, away from everybody else. They've got their own little... You feel the family of them, but it's very fabricated and, you know, there's a a kooky sister and it's all very... Yep. But this movie and... You know, we said spoilers. Involves time travel. So... <laughs> so, yeah, definitely don't listen any further. If you really like to be surprised and you really... Just don't listen any further. You've already heard too much, but whatever. Well, I've said, I've said earlier, tune out. But yeah. anyway, this movie involves time travel, and that's where this movie gets its... Hook? Yeah. Um, Let's be technical. That's all it is. And I found, uh, I, I think his movies are really emotional in a way, like, even though they're so sappy, like, it's, but he definitely touches on the right, there's human things inside him, obviously, that he, and he says he doesn't, it's not based on him or anything, but I feel it is. I feel like they're really part of him. This one is really from the man's point of view, though. Like, a young man being able to manipulate time. Not manipulate it, but go back a little ways now and then. And it's not a hot get, tub time machine. To get what he wants, though, it's still the same thing. He's still going back to redo or try again, basically, to manipulate a situation with a young woman that wouldn't have happened before. So that, And manipulate other situations, too. True. Sometimes for a good reason, sometimes, but mostly it's just for him. And, like, that was where in the first part of it, trying to hook this girl... It was a little bit creepy because you think, okay, he's decided to like this girl, young woman, and now he gets to go back, her not knowing what's going on, and keep hammering away at her, even if it's cute and romantic. Like Groundhog Day. All he wants to do is fuck her. Like Groundhog Day. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's Groundhog Day. (laughs) And it was the same thing with him. It was creepy. And what did he get for it? He got smacked in the face a few times because it was him trying to be creepy. Until the the switch flicked in his mind and he was truly in love with her. And then he gave up. And then it was just, I mean, I'm defending Groundhog Day. But in this one, it's more like, ah, I know what I... He's charming and sweet and everything. So he's not, like, malicious. But it's definitely from a man's point of view. This young woman, unbeknownst to her, is being basically railroaded into a life that she wouldn't have had if this young man didn't wasn't able to manipulate time. And I don't find that romantic. I don't find it fluffy. I don't find it sweet. Even though she ends up loving him, it still was creepy. What I really liked about it, though, was what it becomes. Time travel is involved. Yeah. But what it becomes is like just a, like a, a normal couple. Yeah, he doesn't like get in a machine and it whirls around like Doctor Who or no. anything. It's just basically he just stands there. It's not there a special effects movie. Closes right? his eyes and he yeah. can be somewhere else. So it's not like that. So when we say time travel, we just mean he picks a time, he wants to show up back at that time. He can only go backwards. And there's yeah, there's rules to the time travel. Two rules. You can go backwards and you can come back to where you were. And that was it. Yeah. It sounds really weird when you're talking about a romantic humorous Dramatic. Yeah, but it's not confusing and like Mm -hmm. it's um, done in a really. There's a lot of loopholes. Sweet way. You gotta get over it. But yeah, that's the the actual and the actual story and its point is a really good point. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of us have already figured it out. 
<laughs> yeah. In life. But, um, you know, and, and he was talking on the extras, Richard Curtis, about this possibly being his last movie. And then somebody else was saying maybe because of that, maybe because he wants doesn't want to waste time. He wants to yeah. be with his family or whatever, you know. So maybe something... It feels to me like it comes from the mind of a person who sees life that way. There is either me on the fast track with my career and 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 leaving all my all the other little things behind, or I'm over here with my family appreciating everything, but my career's going to disappear and I won't have anything. A man, a man of two minds that he can't mold them together, and that's what I think we get from him is always the struggle in all these different characters to to like just live life without this like overly emotion he's very emotional yeah and the end the ending of love actually the montage scene of the people coming and going in the airport and the ending of this movie are almost the same ending like it's uh, it's like stop and look oh yeah real life it's not the same at all but but what i mean is stop and look at what's around you like like in love actually the message is love, love is all around right that's the actual message in this one it's like Life is just happiness happening. is happening all around you. You don't need a time machine to go and relive something that was awesome or well, in this case, go back and relive your childhood or whatever because you thought that was the best thing. No, there's things to appreciate all the time. Stop and just have a look at it. And that you know, it felt very similar. Because he uses the voiceover in this movie and he also did in Love Actually, it they feel similar. Um the time travel element it adds to it, and I like the fact that the advertising and everything doesn't really mention it. I know it's we're called, telling everybody, but I know it's called <laughs> about time. Yeah, but it doesn't say a movie about time travel. We haven't enough. seen the trailer though. It might say right up front. In the trailer. I watched the trailer. There, there's a trailer that does an American trailer that does distinctly say a movie about love and time travel, okay. and the English trailer <clears throat> says nothing about time travel. It's just, it's, it's like a romantic comedy. I feel like British people are still trying to get over their very, very repressed way of facing life and emotions. Like, I feel like that, you have that a little bit. There's this, like, kind of, like, repression. And that's part of your culture. And that's why Monty Python seems so wacky. And that's why people, I still feel like there's this line drawn that the wacky sister in this right she's the she says i maybe i'm the fallen one because she's sort of a free spirit sort of gypsy artsy fartsy and everyone else is very closed up sort of you know kind of like stoic ish stiff upper lip stiff upper lip and quite you know the mother seems cold they're they're emotional enough but that's it it's all pretty much inside where you can every emotion that she makes with her body is like an emo- a thought and an emotion and she flops around and she hugs everybody and that's like the split that I still see in British culture, in movies and TV shows. And I find that people like this Richard Curtis, it's like he's he, he struggles with that. He's older. He's 10 years older than us. So he's still in that, like, you know, I'm an emotional person. I was taught to repress it. And now this is how I can examine it and put it out into the world where it's like, it's okay to be romantic. It's okay to be fluffy. It's okay to deal with your emotions in sort of a... You know, I was thinking of other movies. Not that necessarily he lets men be emotional too in his movies more yeah. than you know you would imagine in a yeah. Because I feel I, he's, say in a British movie, I feel but... that he's an emotional guy, right? 
So, and other movies that he's wrote but not directed, like um, Four Weddings and a Funeral and Notting Hill and... Um, didn't see it, didn't see it. Bridget Jones' Diary. Seen it. Bridget Jones' Diary's got exactly the same He didn't flower. write it. Nora Ephron wrote it. I mean, the screenplay. Or whatever her name was. He wrote the screenplay. Of. Right, we didn't write the story. No, but still, the way he put it on the screen, the way it's wrote for the screen is in this way. It's fluffy, kind of English, romanticised... Standing in your underwear in the snow. And I can't think of many other British directors that do this kind of... There's loads of American romantic comedies, right? Lots of them. I couldn't even name them, there's that many of them. British, I can't think of a lot of romantic comedies, to be honest. Apart from Bridget Jones and um, anything Richard Curtis has done. I bet there are. It's not a something we seem to deal in so maybe that's why I like the ones that are from Britain because I don't generally tend to like American romantic comedies I don't they're not sappy enough oh. I mean in I like I just like British point of view I guess and American ones are not that so um did you like it I did do you do you think he I was looking forward to it Richard Curtis movie do you think it it was what you expected from him? I had no expectations whatsoever. Did it and surprise you? When I, did... I did have an expectation, and I corrected myself. I expected sappy romanticism. I was not disappointed. Did you, um, did the time travel element, when it was introduced, did you go, oh, that's interesting? Mm, no, not really, because it already, I already felt the vibe of the movie, and I thought, all right, it's just our, it's a way of this guy doing something emotional and romantic. I really thought that. I was like, okay, well, we'll see where it goes. Actually reminded me a little bit of um, an American movie this is, but another movie I really liked, and it was that Ruby Sparks, where he he imagines... That was really pretentious, though. But still, it had this kind of... I liked it, and it's an American take on, like... But it is sappy and um, extra... It's about, yeah, the whole idea is present, like, we all have a romanticized idea of love. Not relationships, not marriage, but of love. What's it like? Love. And where it comes from is other people trying to romanticize it for us in music and movie and books and tales and stories and the way we feel for people. Sometimes that feeling you get when you hug the person that you do that kind of gives you that, oh, you know, that's lovely. But it's fleeting. But we want that to happen all the time. And he likes to so, like, encapsulate re- that. Yeah, he likes to, like, spread it out. And, like, every little gesture. There's no, like, downtimes in people's lives. There's there's arguments, but there they're is very a little bit stylized. Not really. Everything's like still the, precious. Like the normal life with the babies. and. But not know. really. It's still very precious and perfect. No one's getting mad and no one's... There's no horrible mess in the house, and there's no, like, mom wakes up in a really bad mood. There's none of that. Everybody's happy all the time. Now that's a movie, and that's what he's trying to portray. But sometimes, because there's zero grit, yeah, it makes it a little bit, like, and hard I think, to identify And I think with. that's kind of what I like about it. <laughs> I like a gritty movie also. Like, something like, I was thinking of Fish Tank. Or Knocked Up. Well, that's very gritty. <laughs> I'm just talking about, like, a British movie. But, like, movie. Knocked Up. It's a comedy Right? But it's not gritty. It's got the it's grit naughty, of like. the reality of the situ of a couple of different situations. The awkward, uh, you know, so I guess your idea of grit might be Something that's than like mine. super real life, like 
British um, inner city something, you know? I'm just talking about an element that isn't just all romantic, happy, happy. Something that's a little bit of grit that sticks you to the ground. Yeah, I was going to say Bridget Jones, but no. Because that's very much like this. It's, yep. It's very, you know, very. larger than life. Um, it's like what, what people who fantasize about a better life fantasize sometimes. Is that, oh, only if only I was Bridget Jones with my funny parents and I could really stick to my thing and I have a handsome boss who wants to screw me and I have this other guy that I'm falling for and then I stand in the snow and we kiss and blah 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 like it's all just it's not there's no grit to Bridget it, Jones <laughs> no but I, I really like but it's enjoyable to watch yeah I like this movie I thought it was it's what I expected from a Richard Curtis movie you, you can feel it from the opening frame This I know what this is going to be I love Love Actually it's one of my favourite I was hoping for less romance no I wanted I think I was thinking this was more about romance than Love Actually was going to be and Love Actually is super sappy and it's just about love the whole thing I was thinking this was going to be more romantic than that judging by the cover um, and it wasn't I mean, it was. It has a lot of sappy love stuff, but it also dealt with some real... Mm-hmm. And the thing that touched me the most, and this is a spoiler, so don't listen, and yeah, really hopefully, hopefully you went away, is um, when his father died, and he can time travel, how he was, mm-hmm. on a daily basis, going to visit his father. And I was thinking... We don't know if it was every well, day. He didn't say but that. But it was, there was times where he would go and play pool with his... Uh, play table tennis with his father. Because he could go back in time. Um, and I was thinking about that. My mother died when I was young. And if I had that... I would also do that. And then... In the movie, there's a point where... She wants to try for another baby. And because of the time travel thing... If you have a baby... It's explained earlier in the movie... And that you can't travel back after that because the baby you mm-hmm. come back to might not be your baby. So he had to close the door on his father. And that was the best scene in the entire movie for me. And I was feeling that was a Richard Curtis personal moment. He said it wasn't. I don't know if his father died mm. or he had a friend or whatever. But that felt like a... That was my favorite scene in the movie. Just the... You know, when he says, why are you here this time? Like... Because it's usually this jovial time where they play table tennis together, and then he's like, "No, this is like goodbye. This is." I like the but movie. It's also for that. like I'm not that person, you know, because I think life is what it is, and when someone dies, then you get on with it, and it's sad and it's. But painful, I felt the whole thing. But I don't movie. have that attachment necessarily to this romance. Like I can't let go of things and of people. Yeah, but um, people can't. And I really felt that in this movie of... Sure. He was grieving in his life with it, you know. Ah, but he also had in his mind that he could just do that forever. He He did. So that's not fair, is it? But no, that's what I really liked about it. Because there was this... When they were talking in the back garden and she was saying, I think it's time for another baby. He had to really... Like the selfish... The selfish reason would be, if we don't, I can always go and visit my dad. And I, I could see it. The actor was doing a really good job of, like, what do you do? Yeah. Like, I can, I have to leave my dad, like, that's the end of my dad. But the dad, thing or... is, in life, 
the day the person dies is the day you have to say goodbye. So to hang on to that and keep hoping and wishing, whatever the circumstance, and I'm not knocking anybody for grieving. I'm just saying, there is no going back. So to even romanticize that, to fantasize that I can at any time in real flesh and blood go back and visit somebody who's dead. That is overly romanticizing an unrealistic thing but in life, I and the, I don't find it. I as, love the idea of it, and then I was like, if I had that power, would I go and visit my mother? Yes, of course. But I you'd would be t- a little child, of and course, you wouldn't remember. I would, but his rules. The rules seemed to be that when he went back, he was the age of was at the time. But I, not would, as I would spend time as a child with my mother, and then. But you didn't have any time to resolve that, though. You never had a chance to ever properly deal with that. So that's a different situation than someone who, like him, who, if he lived through the illness and the death of his father, would have had all that time to cope with it, and then you deal with it as a family and all that. It's did, a different thing. Did we mention that also his father has this, um, well, all the male part, side of his family have this um, gift. So he's been able to do So his father's little... also been manipulated. Like, I liked it sometimes where he appeared in the room and says, what, uh, why are you, vis- <laughs> what's, like, because the father understands, oh, this might be a uh, replayed moment of something. And when they're talking to it's each other... It's a little confusing and it doesn't make sense sometimes. It does not make sense because there are times when he should have gone back to a different point in time. But he didn't and it makes no sense in the story whatsoever that he doesn't do it at certain times. They have some fun with it at the beginning. It's about when he's getting his uncle's play and, you know, when he's trying to make the play better for his uncle. It's not his uncle. Well, he's... His dad's, dad's friend. friend. Yeah. yeah, his playwright dude. Right. I'm only calling him his uncle because he said something about... He kind of said, like, it's my uncle to that girl. Mm. Did he? Yeah. But he, what, he didn't mean it. No. He meant, like, it's yeah. creepy I live with this dude, so it's my uncle. Um, but yeah, they have some fun with the time-traveling thing at the beginning. But it's mostly used for emotional effect. Mm-hmm. You know, with the sister and the... Yeah. So let's go into the cast here. Um, Dom... How do you say his name? Dom? Dom Hall Gleason, I'm going to say. Uh, plays Tim. I don't know this actor at all. The Is lead he from guy. Harry Potter movies? He was in one of the Harry Potter movies. Um, the sixth one, it hmm. said. Um, I don't know him at all. I looked at his list of stuff. But I really thought he was really great. Yeah, really like, great. Really and he's, good. And um, he's not English. He's Irish. Mm-hmm. And the English accent was spot on. Like, I, I wouldn't have known was, he was Irish. I thought he was... What's-his-face's brother, the way he talked. He talks just like Hugh, Hugh Grant. Grant. Yeah, yeah he does. I was like, that voice Yeah, over it's almost like, like <laughs> Love Actually voiceover. So he really yeah. studied that or something. Yeah, he's, he's, I thought he was really good. Like I say, that's those scenes where he had to... I mean, he's good in the comedy scenes, where there's some really silly kind of comedy-ish scenes, but then there's some really serious scenes towards the end where I got... Exactly. So he'd grown as a character, the whole thing. It was it was really good. Um, his girlfriend. Wife. Slash wife. Well, starts off as his girlfriend. Um, Rachel McAdams. I really like her. I always have. I think she did kind of a different job here of what she normally does. A little bit. Because she, cause it's... I think because... I mean, she's an... I liked that she's an American. Yeah, they, they didn't, didn't make her... <laughs> make her be a <laughs> yeah. British person. Hey, American, come talk It British. made sense as well, didn't it? Like, the, that was funny with the family and yeah. when her parents turned up. I don't, I don't think they capitalised on some things. But like you said, this was a three-hour movie originally. Yeah. I think it was... Cut a, an hour out. I think it feels like that way, too. Um, Bill Nighy plays his father. I love Bill Nighy. 
I think he always does a good job. You could say eh, it's pretty much the same yep, thing. Absolutely the same, but I like him, so. Yeah, he's like, there's something about it. In this movie as well. Like, he always yeah. wiggles and moves. and. I had, you know, it's kind of tragic in this movie, mm-hmm. his character. But there again, it's a bit of. But it isn't tragic. He's just growing older. And I mean, what gets, happens is yeah. tragic. But, um. It's he, not tragic. It's just the way it is. <laughs> it's not like he's 20 years old and gets cancer. He's like 70. I just see that as tragic. It's sad. Anyway. It's horrible. I've had my own people in my own family get cancer. I'm just saying. I don't know if it's tragic. Oh, what I'm saying is he has to deal with some weighty what, scenes. What makes it tragic is that he's very loved by people. Yeah. That makes it tra- more for them. You know, like the where the mother like says, that. "Like I'm furious." Yeah, I can't. I don't even want to imagine uh, entertain the thought of a life without him. I think that's a very nice thing to say. I'm very sad. That there's some really like that. It's literally like what, like one line, but it's mm-hmm. like, Whoa. yeah, <laughs> it's just like, oh, she's serious. It's like a serious. knife in your heart, right? Um, Lin- Lindsay Duncan plays the mom who we just spoke about. She's really good in it. She like uh, she's not in it a ton, but what she is, she's, you get the point. She's like a distant, it. a little bit distant, not very warm and emotional, but very deep. I like when he said, like, uh, she takes a fashion uh, from the queen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the sister's played by Lydia Wilson. She's called Kit Kat in the movie, like it's her, um, you know, a nickname. And she's like the hippy-dippy, you know, wild sister. She's the emotion that the family doesn't really show otherwise. She's where it all gets and they exposed. all I like see what that's another thing I like about this movie how they all appreciate each other it's not not a shitty backstabbing horrible family it's a a romanticized yeah family. a romanticized <laughs> family but it makes you feel good watching it like you do feel that Bill Nighy's loved by everybody you do you know my family's not backstabbers either we no, love each but other. what I mean is, like in movies, a lot of the time they portray families either one way or the other, don't they? They portray them as they're horrible individuals, or they're all, you know, and they're all they portray them as a mixture of people who have, like, some people aren't really. I'm thinking of like the Family Stone. Remember that? Yeah. There's always like this one and that one. But they're romanticized too. They are, but in this movie, they're all really flowery, like it. Yeah. And, but they have got emotions. Like the what's he, what's he called? The he's got the bad memory. Uncle something. <laughs> you know, even he, like he, they love him. Like he's, uh, you know, he's got what's he got? Alzheimer's. I don't know. What he's got something. <laughs> but he's just this dude who lives with them, and he doesn't remember hardly anything that's happening in front of his very eyes. But they all love him. Like it's, it's flowery sweet. Mm-hmm. I like that about it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you do like it, but it also when you've had a family and everyone's not flowery sweet all the time, and you see something like that, it's like, oh come on, everybody can't, everybody doesn't love everybody each other all the time. You just don't. don't, even in a fantasy movie. But don't go into a Richard Curtis film if you like, <laughs> yeah. if you like um, conflict or any of that stuff. It's not really in his. Or well, British people don't deal with conflict well anyway. You watch, like, Nil by Mouth, Gary no- Gary Oldman's movie, if you want a family tank. conflict. A fish tank. Fish tank, yeah. You know, those are the other side of the picture. They really are. So yeah. we can't say all British films are <laughs> flowery and romantic at all. Because no. those movies are not. Plus, so, what other than Layer Cake? The Game, or whatever that one was called, with your dude. 
love, know? honor, and obey. Yeah, see, no, those what? aren't flowery. Once upon a time in <laughs> those Essex. Are violent. Those kind of movies. Yeah. <laughs> Once upon a time in the Midlands. In the Midlands, yeah, that one. You know, kind of <laughs> like um, average yeah. family. This movie has no thugs. No. No threat of violence of any kind. It's just no. sweet. It's really sweet, yeah. So, um, directed by Richard Curtis, said a lot about him. I like him. Um, I hope he does make another movie or something. He's wrote a new movie, which sounds... I read the synopsis of it. It's be, being directed at the moment by somebody else. But it's really interesting. Nothing like a Richard Curtis movie. So Don't I'm interested. No, I won't tell you, but the plot is not like a Richard Curtis movie. And I was looking, I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And he's wrote lots of stuff, Richard Curtis. Including... One of my favourite Matt Smith um, Doctor Who episodes, which was the one with Van Gogh, if you remember that one. Um, again, flowery, literally and figur- figuratively, because um, it did deal with the sunflower painting a lot. But uh, it has the same feeling, does it, as one of his movies, that episode? Mm, not fully, but... It has, is like this movie. It's quite flowery. You wouldn't watch it and go, oh, that must have been directed by Richard Curtis. You just wouldn't. Or I, I don't think you can do that with anything. No. But, once you know... Not true. Well, if you, you watch a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, can. and you do know, actually, because it's right up there in the credits. So, so when you watch a Doctor Who episode, you know who's directing that episode because it tells you... Right, but that can taint the way you view it. So if you don't know that and you're watching it, you might not sit there and think to yourself, oh, I bet this was written by Richard Curtis. So it's not... This isn't his first uh, foray into time travel because he already Correct. did it. So, um, extras on this Blu-ray. There are a bunch. Um, he likes his deleted scenes, and there are a few, and he introduces them. And um, I really liked the deleted scene that took place in Abbey Road. I didn't. That was the worst scene ever. I really, really liked it. I don't think it fits in the movie, but I agree with what he said. That it's a good, it's a good scene. Like it isn't because he's so fucking wishy washy. He can't even tell people to get out of the road when his wife's fucking having a baby. Which is I don't like that. I don't like wishy washy people. I don't like people apologizing for every single thing they do. It was ridiculous. I think what I'm talking. It would have lowered is, my opinion of the character. It was quite funny. The scene. It wasn't funny. Yeah, it was. Too. It was terrible to think so, that a man with his wife having a baby in the car would not stand up to a bunch of tourists in the road and get him out of the freaking way. I, I was just like, oh my god, I'm so glad this was not in the movie. But if you uh, re- if you like the zebra crossing where Abbey Road picture was took place, there's like a funny take on this, and it, they actually go into the Abbey Road studios in the scene. Um, she does say that she had the baby inside her for nine years, which was. No, I think she was being funny. I have an alien inside of me for nine years, which is saying I have something inside of me. It's felt like forever. That's I what think, she was saying. I think she was supposed to say nine months. No, she wasn't. She said alien inside me for nine which years. Which would be a baby. No, she was being funny. Like, I've had it in there. It feels like nine years. See, I don't see that. I think she got it wrong. I don't think you're right. Um, Obviously. No, I think, <laughs> I think she got it wrong. Um, there's a blooper reel, which is rubbish. There's... Um, it's like, it's not even a blooper reel, Boring. hardly, is it? Um, there's a music video, Ellie Goulding, who I really like, How Long Will I Love You. I didn't watch it. It's funny because in the movie, the How Long Will I Love You song is in the movie, but Ellie Goulding is nowhere near it. It's somebody else singing it in a subway, um, like some buskers. Uh, and she's made that song really famous recently, yet there's n- her version is not in the movie, and it's not even in the end credits because I stayed till the end of the end credits wanting to listen to it. So I don't get why that is... Because she wrote it, so she gets a credit for it. Right, and if you want to hear her sing it, there yeah. is the music video on here. Um, 
And I guess she wrote it. I, I don't know, actually. I was just going off what you said. So <laughs> there are some Blu-ray exclusives. There's the About Tim and Time Travel, uh, The World of Richard Curtis, and The Look, Style, and Locations. They're pretty much like... Um, Richard Curtis explains some stuff about the movie. He likes to go into a bit of detail, but there's a commentary on here where I'll watch this week where he will go into full detail because he is very wordy. Verbose. Um, so uh, that is about time. So what's your overall opinion? I enjoyed it. So did I, I had to turn off my cynical mind because... As is often the case with happy couples, we are opposite. I'm not a romantic person. I don't think of things as romanticized. I like fluff occasionally if it's done well. But I'm a skeptic, I think, more than anything else. But I kind of just turned off my, you know, my little tick boxes of like, oh my god, that's so corny. Oh my god, that's so ridiculous. I turned it off. And then when the time travel things started not making sense, I was like, no, 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 no. It's a young man, and his motivations are what they are in this movie, and they're not mine, so I have to just let it go. So I enjoyed it overall. And I actually think that sometimes I'm watching a movie with you, and I'm enjoying it more for you than I am for me, because (laughs) I will think of things in the movie and like, I bet he thinks that's so sweet. Well, that's good. I I improve your experience. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, en- you enhance my mm-hmm. enhanced experience. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I really liked it a lot. Um, I still love Love Actually the most. But um, it's if really... If you had to rate all three of his movies, what would, how would you rate them? From one? Love Actually would be the top one, and then this one would be the second one, oh. and then Pirate Radio would be the Because Pirate Radio is not really about love so no. much. No, but it's still... I really enjoyed the story of Radio Caroline. It is fun. Fun movie, and Bill Nye, he's really fun in it. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, who we'll talk about later. So, uh, if you want to win, thanks to Universal for the Blu-ray review this week. If you want to win some Blu-rays, I have four, count them, four competitions going at the moment. You can win a DVD of Reaching for the Moon. You can win a Blu-ray of On the Job, a Blu-ray of The Fifth Estate, and a Blu-ray of Young Detective D. Just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word contest, and you can enter to win one of them, or all of them. You can just enter all four contests. Um, game suggestion, it says on the notes. Yeah, I have a game suggestion. You do? Yes. I thought of this today. Now, you are going to nix it very quickly and say, no, 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 because we're going to have the um, um, happening. But I disagree. Here's my thought. Stream, what's it called? A word association. So I say a word, and you have to think the first movie that pops into your head just from that word. Like, not thinking about it or anything. So if I say, this is a good example, because I already know what you're going to say. If I say hammer, you'll say? Time. (laughs) That's not a movie. A movie. Hammer. Thor. (laughs) Okay, maybe this won't work. (laughs) (laughs) You know... You know what I was thinking of? <laughs> Aside from MC Hammer, I was also thinking of Mike Hammer. Do you remember that on TV? That really okay. shitty cop okay. show. <laughs> That's how my mind works. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, it won't work. No. So I'll mix that. So is it you? Why is it something like something really hard, like a red shoe? Diaries. Red shoe diaries. <laughs> oh my God. I don't mean like fill in the blank. 
I would say Wizard of Oz, but I would also say Red Shoe Diaries first. And what if I say Oklahoma? A movie that takes place in Oklahoma. The movie Oklahoma. There you go. <laughs> okay, that's not going to work. <laughs> but it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> Maybe laugh harder than I will. <laughs> when Muttley comes out, as you like to say. <laughs> All right, so next week's Blu ray review is. Sid, I was going to tell you what it is. Oh, I, can't. <laughs> I can't see my eyes are watering. You tell them. Next week's Blu ray review is uh, Dallas Bias Club. So we will be looking right. at that next week. Um, movie recommendations for this week. I put down more than one. Yeah, he did. Love Actually is just a given if I, I have to men- Mr. mention Mr. Obvious. Second would be Groundhog Day, because it was Groundhog Day, our anniversary, just recently. and um, This has elements of that. It does have elements of it. Fifty First Dates, which is based on a true story. I only figured out this week. <laughs> I love that movie. I didn't realise it was based on a true story. And well, when it's based on some truth that's not a true story. Based on a true story. If you go and have a look at... Anyway... <laughs> I had no idea it was anything to do with the true story or anything. But yeah, it's another one about... It's mm-hmm. not about time travel, but it, it kind of is. It's about people who forget yeah. things from date. Every day they wake up and they've forgotten. Like short-term memory loss. Or long-term memory loss. So the... the and the, the other one was... This is a, um, a movie. TV movie, actually. It was on HBO. And Richard Curtis wrote it, but he didn't direct it. And it's called The Girl in the Cafe. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't think a lot of people saw it because it was just an HBO movie that ran for, you know, a month or so and then it went away. Did we watch it? Yeah. And it was um, Bill Nighy and Kelly MacDonald from Trainspotting. And, uh, Correct. And it's oh, really yeah, good. Yeah, it is. Re- Again, it's really romantic. It's not just... Re- it's horrible, too. But it's also... It's not romantic like this. No. No, no, no. You this can is, tell Richard Curtis. It's gritty and terrible. I mean, it has terrible content, if you remember. Yeah, we meet her when she's coming out of prison. Remember? No. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. It's about a strike at a factory. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong one. He meets the girl. She just got out of prison. No. Hmm. (laughs) This is a totally different movie. What you're thinking of? (laughs) It's romantic, but it also involves some politics. Yeah, and she goes off with him to a thing. To like a thing where he has to stand up at the... Are eight. you giving spoilers for this movie? No. People should see this the, movie, not listen the, to what you said. Summit, whatever. Yeah, that Summit thing. Yeah, she came out of prison. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's right in the beginning. It is, but it's not horrible. It's pretty horrible. No, I don't see it as horrible. It's quite romantic. Okay. You need a refresher course. Horrible's like seven or something like that. Yeah, and there's some horrible elements to her story. Very sad. Very terrible. Yeah? Yeah. It's very sad. Yeah, but it's also... <laughs> oh, so romantic that she has a horrible past. Yeah, but it's not... Pa- <laughs> it's something she said. It's not like... It's not It's not seven or anything like that. It's it a, doesn't have to be It's seven. a romantic movie, really, at heart. To me, it's like Fish Tank with some romance on top. Yeah. <laughs> and you can tell Richard Curtis wrote it because it's also a bit flowery. Sometimes. Um, yeah. But it's really good and it was only made for HBO, so... <clears throat> it didn't even get a Blu-ray release or anything. It's uh, I don't know how you would see it now. Maybe HBO could... Go, probably. Or whatever that's called. No, I didn't even see it on there, to be honest. So I don't know how you would see it. But anyway, Skull in the Cafe is, is the name of it. So, Sito, what's your movie recommendation? Well, look at him. I think you just said him. 
Right? I didn't say that one, no. Oh, Truly Madly Deeply or Madly Truly Deeply or Deeply Madly Truly. I always forget what it's, it's called. It's Truly Madly Deeply. But it is one of those where someone's not coping with the loss of someone that they've loved in a very, very heightened way. And it's a bit of a, it's a comedy, but kind of sad. And it's old. It's got Emma, what's her face from, I think. Maybe not. But it's called Truly Madly Deeply, I think. It has Snape in it. Professor it is called Snape. Truly Madly Deeply. Not you think. That's what it's called. <laughs> I never <laughs> And then my other one is the obvious one, which is Groundhog Day. Just because he attempts, in this movie, the same thing Bill Murray attempts, yeah. is to replay a part of a lot of a day. To win over a girl. Right, which is sleazy when you think about it. It's manipulative and... Well, there's less cake in uh, About Time. (laughs) I mean, there are some cupcakes, but there's less cake. (laughs) This is 12 years of Catholic school talking. You are not a god. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. You know what? We didn't watch it. I did. I watched it on Netflix that day. I didn't. I couldn't find it on Netflix. What are you talking about? I did a search. It said no Groundhog Day. It is on Netflix. I don't think that's accurate. Or did I watch it from... No, you, you I watched didn't watch it from it the Netflix. folder. It's on, our, it's on our network. I looked. It must be a folder I don't have access to. Yeah, it is on our network. That's why I watched it. Now I'm going to have to watch it. So, We're done. We're done. I'm going to go watch it. So, <laughs> games and A-Scully stuff. This week, uh, I've been playing... Well, I actually played a game that you sat through and watched. Uh, the Wolf Amongst Us, Episode 2. This is Telltale's game. We've talked about it before. But it was supposed to be a monthly series, and then it took, what, four months in between episodes, which is a ridiculous amount of time when you, it's an episodic game because you kind of forget what happened. Um, Did you forget what happened? I didn't. No. Okay, then. That some details, I think, some little details, but then it <clears throat> fills you in at the beginning yeah. when you start the new episode. So what did you think of the new episode of The Wolf Amongst Us? I liked it wasn't as involved, clearly, as it was the first brief, one. brief. Uh, Very brief, and wasn't as um i mean i still like the way they're trying to tell the story of the fables in the city and all you know they've had to come to the human world and all that kind of stuff so i like that but it wasn't as it needs a tip a more balance toward fables for who they are and their struggle and get take the story kind of put the story over here murders are happening and who's in charge and who's making this i mean what's happening is it's a murder mystery um, yes. women are showing up with their heads cut off, basically. And now we have certain twists and turns to that. But that seems to now... that Before, it was like, over here's the story, but we're going to tell you minute by minute and scene by scene what it's like for the fables, what different fables there are living here, about the glamours, like you have to pay for a glamour so that if you're a troll, you get a, a spell from the witches at head... Central or whatever it's called at the the thirteenth floor, thirteenth floor of the building where like their government is or whatever, and you get a glamour spell so that humans don't know you're a troll or whatever. That kind of stuff. We need more of that, and then the story just needs to be threaded through there a little bit, I think, because the story isn't that interesting. Serial killer or whatever's going on isn't that interesting. No. But the fact that fables from all the stories we've ever been told, mythology and stuff in, in that they've tongue. all yeah, they've had they they exist in the real world. They've had to abandon all of their fantasy worlds and come into this city. And now they have fable to function. Town. Right. Well, Fable Town's just part of a city. It's like a, you know, off to the side like the slum really of the of a city. And that is way more interesting than the actual story. 
Yeah. And I feel like they fell into that They trap. had to pull the stunt because they needed a gameplay thing, I guess. And the murder mystery kind of fits a game, doesn't it? Right, but you like they did in the last one, you still weave in and out of... Every scene doesn't need to be about the that. It can be about... You know, him fighting with the woodsman was just showing, telling you all kinds of stuff. That it's hard to kill a fable. That if he appears like he does, but the bad side of him can come out if he gets pushed. And, you know, that kind of stuff is way more interesting when, he showed when you're you, viewing it. When he showed you what's happening on next time, that looked pretty interesting. Yeah. Me. Where it's going seems yeah, yeah. interesting. Uh, only it thing, needs to be longer. It needs to be like four or five hours. Yeah, because they're like $5 a piece, the uh, episodes. And I don't feel that one was worth $5. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed like it. I feel like they might have had to... They probably were told to cut some stuff out. I believe they... Obviously, there was issues because they said it was coming out in a month and it took four months. So something was going on. They were concentrating on making that Walking Dead game, possibly. Like, they've got mm. not enough people. <clears throat> it feels like something happened and then it got chopped down, made smaller or something. Um, technical issues on the PS3 just completely suck. It froze up completely once. We had to reboot the PS3. Uh, other times, there's just this awkward... Where you think it's crashing. Yeah. Because it's just stuck there. And there's these awkward... Like, it totally ruins the flow of the game sometimes because it will look at a character and then you'll do an input and then it carries on looking at the character for an, like way too long than it should look at that character because it's loading the next bit. And it just takes your foot. Like, it looked at a door, for instance. There was a scene we were playing. I pressed a button, and it was looking at a door, and then it was looking at the door. For about 20 seconds, it just stayed there. And there's the door. And I was like, has this crashed? Or is it. And then eventually it unfroze and, like, went on with it. But it's just inexcusable. It's not even a. Like I said to you. Walking Dead doesn't do that. The Walking Dead's got a little (laughs) bit of stuttery kind of sound occasionally, but that Walking Dead. Season 2 that we've just started on the PS3. That was way better than it ever had been. This one just feels like it's... Like I read a review of it this week. Like it's stuck together with rubber bands and tacks. And it's just holding on like... If you get a trophy while it's saving and loading at the same time... It seems to like just completely kill the... Uh, but then you put in a game that's like... Like Alaska crazy or something. Or Grand Theft Auto Yeah, 5. something where it's just like crazy stuff happening. Yeah. Everything's active. And everything's fine. Yeah. So it's just like it's technically shitty. Apparently what I've been told, the PC version's way better and it has no issues whatsoever. But there again, on the other hand, I've heard that other people who have the PC version say, no, it stutters. And right. So I guess it depends on what PC you've got. But the PS3 version struggles. It really struggles. If it wasn't... If it was on the PS4, I would switch to the PS4. Well, who knows if it would be better, though. But yeah... The technical issues are... So if you've paid for it on the PS3, does that mean you can go get it on the computer instead? No. You have to go and buy it again. So You should be able to pick whatever version you want. I don't mean have multiple versions. I just mean I've given you my $20. Yeah. Each episode I get to pick which one I download. It's... It needs sorting out. They they never seem to address... It makes you not want... Like in the last one, it was no problem to go back and do another level again because you wanted to get one of the things inside. Like it, right. what happens is you unlock the characters and you can go in the fable, book of fables and read about them. Yeah. And that gets you achievements or whatever. It was like, oh, well, no problem. We'll go back and play that level again so we can get that thing yeah. unlocked. 
this time I felt like you were like, oh, please don't make me go back and play another level gonna... again. Yeah, and that's not good because no. that means you're ready to just ditch it. And it's such a fun concept. I don't like, know the PS3, what, it's like, it's an older con- console or whatever, uh, and PCs are way more powerful, but this game's not even, like, a powerful no, game. Like, you've got PlayStation 3 games that are crazy. Yeah, like, if, if PlayStation 3 can run Grand, Grand Theft Auto Five for 75 hours and me never experience any issue whatsoever, what's happening here? Like, yeah. the game's badly made. You know, so, aside from that, I love the content. It's just that technical issues... Uh, Inexcusable, and you paid money for it, and it's like runs like shit. It it seems bad. So hopefully, Walking Dead episode two, when that comes out, um, the next episode is completely devoid of any <coughs> issues. Wishful thinking. Um, I also played a little bit of Octodad this week, which is a game about an octopus who has to. He falls in love with a woman, uh, a human woman, and has to do things in the normal world, but not be mistaken for being an octopus. So he's impregnated her, or she has children already? It's unclear. They call you dad, (laughs) so I don't know. So somehow this octopus, who now is glamoured, we'll say, (laughs) to look like a human. No, he doesn't. He looks like an octopus in a suit. But everyone's convinced he's a human. Yes. But he looks exactly like an octopus in a suit. His arms are all over the place. He's... <laughs> so the the whole game is how funny it is, basically. Because it's ridiculous. Because he's an octopus, so he has a bunch of arms. Do people know he's an octopus? No. And that's the idea. You People not do not need to know. So you have to kind of act normally. Which is difficult when you're an octopus. Well, yeah. So the beginning, the, the prologue before the game even starts is you getting married... And it's to teach you the like how to move him, and how you move him is really awkward, and that's the basis of the game. So like, the triggers on the controller are each of his arms, and right. to to walk you have to like manipulate yeah. them. So it's really difficult to do the smallest thing, even to walk like across a room is very 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 difficult. It takes ages to get the hang of it, and even when you have got the hang of it. You cannot walk without knocking things over. It's that ridiculous, the controls. So the beginning's like you get married and you know, you gotta get the tie, get your bow tie on, which is almost impossible as an octopus. Then you've gotta put your suit on, then you've gotta get the ring out of a box full of stuff, and it's this tiny little ring and your arms are flailing and everything's going all over the place. And that's mainly where the comedy comes from the game. Most of the game is doing mundane things, like your wife's cooking and she says, Can you go and get me something from the freezer you open the freezer and the thing you need's probably at the bottom and you've got to fish around with your arm and everything goes everywhere fish around so it's that's the basis of the game really it's ridiculous it's funny and there's stealth elements where you've got maybe go down to the store there's a scene that takes place in a supermarket where you've got to not behave like an octopus so you've kind of got to get that walk down but it still looks like an octopus to you always so it's really funny it's really cartoony. It's quite difficult. I don't think you would like it because you mm. wouldn't be able like to control it at all. But if you're watching somebody who plays it who's pretty good at it, I think it'd be really fun. And it's a lot of... The end of the game, and I have finished it. This is the only nitpick I really have because it's really funny and it's well executed. But the last level of the game involves a baddie. <coughs> this is a spoiler. Not really. 
somebody who figures out you're an octopus and then kind of like it the game is not like that game you've been playing for the last few hours it suddenly turns into this thing where you've got to be very precise and like a platforming game which the controls are not set up for at all so it makes it almost impossible and it's like a level where you would if you're the kind of person who gets mad you'd probably like throw the controller across the room it's that frustrating I eventually got past it but yeah it's it asks it's all funny and fun and games and you can do everything at your own pace and then all of a sudden there's a time limit and you've got to be perfect at this thing and the game's not very long it's three hours total so you've got three hours to kind of practice to be amazing at this game, like, and then there's this frustrating end scene. So I think they just tacked that on because they needed it to be a game. Or frustrating, maybe. You know, so it needed to be a game at the end. Um, like, that was for all my literary fret pals out there who don't like people to say words the wrong way. Like, you've way. got to have a gameplay, like, um, scenario. Like, a boss. So it's all training, except for the last scene. Yeah, the rest... <laughs> And all the training parts, the fun part, right? Because like, it's like a sandbox game. There's a load of stuff, and here's this ridiculous character who can barely control himself. So it encourages you to go back in the game for long periods of time to learn. I just want to be in like the supermarket level, for instance. It's a really well-modeled supermarket with all the things on the shelves. Like You go up to a shelf, there's all the different products, and you can grab them or knock them all over, which you're inevitably going to knock everything over. Um you got to find the frozen pizza. That's one of the missions in the freezer department. And it's a big, massive supermarket, and you've got to walk around pretending not to be an octopus, eventually get to the freezer department, get the free, and then get back to the checkout and run it through. It's just funny, and it's ridiculous, because nobody can do this without perfectly. It's just impossible to do that. I bet somebody can. Somebody probably can, yeah. So that's Octodad. It's on Steam. You can buy it now. Um... Philip Seymour Hoffman, I wanted to mention it. He died uh, over the weekend. Um, One of my favourite actors, obviously Paul Thomas Anderson, my favourite director. He's been heavily involved in his movies, including The Master, which came out last year. Um, He's only age 46. He died on the 2nd of February. Our anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very sad. Um, He's really awesome. And the reason that... you it's not like we know him or anything he's a famous person you only know him from movies and interviews but what's sad to you same with paul walker even though he's not in the same status i would say james gandolfini james gandolfini or um what's his name you know director guy tony scott, scott. is that you're it's a selfish kind of a grieve because then you're like I'll never see anything else from this person again, other than the upcoming Hunger Game movies, which he did parts in that'll come out. But that's it, and all the stuff I've loved. And every time I keep you keep looking forward to the next Seymour Hoffman movie, um, it's not gonna happen. And that is where I think people grieve for the famous person because you don't know him, you don't know his family, you don't know the circumstances, nothing at all. We only know what the press will tell us. But in terms of what you have got from that famous person, it will there will never be anything new, and that is that's sad for someone who you really enjoy watching. Really, some of my favorite roles. <laughs> yes. um, I could from name the time a, I met you, that he was the, one of your favorite all time. I can name a bunch. I can name like Happiness, way back in Creepy. the day. Love Lisa. Creepy. Um, Magnolia, obviously my favorite movie of all time. Um, Punch Drunk Love. <laughs> The Master. The Master. Um, what else? Good Will Hunting. Was he in there? 
He was in. He was in, he was in like various movies actually, where I was like, oh, was he really? Scent of a woman. Scent of a woman. He was in. Yeah. I, there was different movies that he was in where I was. I was looking at his list this week, going, wow, I, I don't seem remember him in those. But then he was in a lot of. Oh, Doubt is a really oh, awesome yeah. movie. Yeah. So there's plenty of. If you never really experienced his stuff, Twister. You can. I would watch that one last. <laughs> Oh, so you're selective about yeah. your loyalty to your favorites. I get it. Yeah, so uh, yeah, there's lots of movies he was in. I go back and look at his list. Owning Mahoney. Book there's next. the one I really recommend. Owning Mahoney. It's a fantastic movie. I bet you have All about seen him. It. Um, yeah, it's like a heist movie, but it's not. Like a slow heist. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and he just plays it so well. Like It's, it's terrifying. So, that's Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest in peace, horrible um, news. I thought it was bogus when I read it on the internet, but then it turned out to be real. So, uh, next week's games, I just wanted to mention, it's a big week for games next week. Right. Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day. Every wife's dream for Valentine's Day is well, that her husband gets it. it might be for you, because it's a huge release on Valentine's Day, and it's The Last of Us Left Behind. The, I do uh, like that one. The, um... DLC, long-awaited, because Last of Us has been out since last summer, and they said they were going to do a DLC, and eventually it's coming, and it's coming on Valentine's Day. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. It's like the prequel story of Ellie before she meets Joel. Um, it's made by Naughty Dog, so what's not to like? It's going to be good. <laughs> uh, and the second thing out next week is probably... It's very highly likely it's going to be one of my games of the year. And how, it's how can you know this? Because I know a lot about this game, and it is Jeff Minter's <laughs> TXK. And I've said in the past, Tempest 2000 on the Atari Jaguar is my favorite game of Evolved. games. Okay. I can pick it up and play it any time of day, year. And he's made a sequel to this game on the um, PlayStation Vita, and it's an update. Uh, of Tempest 2000, TXK is its name, and it comes out on Tuesday, and I can't tell you how excited I am for it. Jeff Mint is one of my childhood heroes in the video game industry. I played all... Because of that one game? No, all those games I played... No, that wasn't the game that got me onto Jeff Minter game. Jeff Minter used to make games for the Commodore 64. I, I would have been... Like, 12? How would you know as a 12-year-old who's making these games? Because I used to get the... Com- I used to get the... Uh, Zap 64 magazine in Britain. People who are listening from Britain will go, oh, right, that one, yeah. Had a cassette tape on the front. And inside it was reviews of all Commodore 64 games. And they treated game developers like they were like the film stars of the day. And Jeff Minter was always in there, you know. And I followed his Llamasoft um, company and he made like Attack of the Mutant Camels and all those Hover Bother, which was a game about mowing the grass. And often a lot of his games contain sheep and yaks and llamas. (laughs) And he still includes that stuff in his new games. But yeah, TXK is a old school arcade shooter game. If you've ever heard of the game Tempest by Atari, it's an update to that game. He didn't come up with the idea of Tempest. He remade it and made it better. So TXK is out this week. I think it's like seven bucks if you're a PS Plus member, which is... An insane... That means you'll play it on a PlayStation. It's on a Vita only. Vita PlayStation only, Vita. right. He wanted to make a Vita game because he really liked the screen. 
and he thinks that a game, his game would look the best on that screen because it's really black. His games are very It was tiny. Why wouldn't you want it on the biggest screen possible? Well, he thinks that the Vita is the perfect place for Tempest, like to pick it up and play it. It's not for him to decide. <laughs> and I think if it does well on the Vita, I mm. think there will be a PS4 version. Um, he has mentioned that he'd look into it if it was people liked it enough. And uh, it's coming out on Tuesday. I can't, I can't wait. So, um, Sito, what's for dinner? The standard veggie burger, fries, and vegetable. And I'm going to have the leftover curry that I made last night, which is freaking awesome. Chickpeas, tomato, mixed vegetables. Chickpea curry is really good, i got to say. I make some really good stuff. And I'm tell- when I ate it last night, I said to you, you are a lucky man. Because your wife cooks some good shit. Now that was good as in, like, there's no added... Not just that it's good. We think about it. We don't eat meat. There's no fat added. Olive oil. I'm sorry. There was olive oil in there. Whatever fat's in chickpeas and stuff like that. Yeah. Like the vegetables, it's the mixed not, vegetables. It's not a fatty But meal. it's just like, literally, I threw chickpeas in the pan, threw in a can of tomatoes, um... Put in some nutritional yeast and some veggie broth mix or bouillon stuff that you mix in, you know, for veg- just like onion and peppery flavor and all that. Let it cook down, and then I cook the vegetables separate, and the rice I just let cook like normal, like jasmine rice. And it was, it's just, oh, curry powder, lots of curry powder, black pepper. Um, you should and some get curry seeds. leaves one time and do the fresh curry leaves, see how that works. I should. You, you put them in the oil and kind of fry really them good. up and then leave them in your whatever. But it was just amazing. It's so simple. And now I'm really looking forward to having the leftovers. And some homemade cookies, which I've been baking more often because you kind of know what's in there. There's no reading the package and wondering what's in there. It's just yeah, it's egg not all like and junk flour. Preservatives. And, yeah. And, stuff. It's, and like you can think to yourself, oh, I don't want to bake cookies. That's a pain in the ass. But I've figured out a system. A little bit more than a cup of flour, an egg. And I've been using veganaise instead of butter. I'm not even using butter or mar- oh, not butter, but we use earth. It adds like a tang to it. Which a I little bit like. of like, yeah. yeah, it kind of cuts through the. It doesn't make it as sweet. Correct. And I use a little extra brown sugar and a little less of the white sugar. And this time I threw in about a third of a cup of almond meal, which always changes it. Just to, it makes it a little bit more. I don't know, kind of grainy or something. And I mix it together. Blah. Throw it in the fridge. Then later in the night, I'll take out enough to make our four cookies or six cookies or whatever. Bake them. We have those. And then I leave this stuff in the fridge until the next day. And I bake three or four more or five more. And the next day, bake a few more. Because I get bored baking cookies. By like the third tray, I'm done. So I one day I was like, oh, I don't want to bake anymore. So I just stuck it in the fridge. And it gets better. Yeah. Third and fourth day, it's done. But I mean, you can just have your cookie dough that you've made by hand. Stick it in the, and you don't have to use eggs. There's lots of recipes out there for like totally vegan cookie dough that has no egg, no dairy, nothing like that at all. And they're so much better. And you bake it like they're sitting in there right now on the, on the top of the stove because I baked them earlier. Some cookies that you buy, prepackaged ones, I can taste like the chemicals. Chemically. Or stale. They're not fresh. Or stale. Yeah. That's often the case, yeah. Those rainbow cookies from Keebler, which I really like. But you can buy them sometimes and they taste stale out of the box. And all I have to do is make my stuff and throw in M&M's instead. True. You know? So, the lesson here is, don't be afraid to bake your own 
I'm recipes. Fi- I'm finally, what's your advice? My advice is get over yourself. And that's to myself as well. If... Okay, here's the thing. I hate exercise. I hate it. I've, I've tried it. I try to motivate myself. I try to get myself on the treadmill. And it's miserable for me. Not just the doing it part. Like the whole process. I fucking hate it. Hate it. It feels fine afterwards. Obviously, it's good for you. You're supposed to get your heart going, all this other shit. That's fine. I'm the only thing standing in my way because my body can do it. I can stand on the treadmill for 20 minutes and go really fast and get my heart rate up and burn off a bunch of calories. I could do it every single day. And in a year, my body would be healthier. No doubt whatsoever. There is nothing in the way of that happening except me because I hate it. It's not because it causes me any kind of extra pain. It's just like any other exercise. Once you get used to it, you get over it and it gets better, right? Your feet don't hurt and all right. that shit. But I, I, am the, I am the obstacle. I can claim that my hip hurts and that my feet hurt and that it's really hard. Uh, you know, and all this stuff. I can say the garage is too cold or, well, if I have to do it for 20 minutes, I don't have time. I can use all kinds of excuses, but it's all coming from me. That's it. Because um, I've been watching this woman that I only met online. She bought something of mine on Etsy. We discovered that she's only in the town a couple hundred miles away from us. And she's an artist and she's she's an artist. That's her job. She paints paintings and now she's got a gallery opening. And I was thinking... The only thing that's ever stopped me from doing that with my life is me. I'm not motivated to get to be part of a system. Like you have to kind of be part of a system. You have to get in organizations. And you do need a network of art. You need someone to represent you. You need galleries to know who you are. Blah, blah, blah. You have to finish your degree. That's all doable, right? 100% doable. If I've got the paperwork and I met the right people and I just would do it. The only thing stopping me is me. True. And I will never get over being me. I can't break down certain barriers that stop me from making those decisions. But if you think about other things, like us not eating meat, that could have been a thing where we were like, you said it even. I'm not going to stop eating meat. No, no, no. I'm not going to stop eating steak. So I'm, I was like, okay, I've decided I'm going to get over myself. Because that's what it was. It's like your own mind telling you, oh, I can't live without roasted chicken and I can't live without a hamburger every once in a while and I can't not have sausage pizza. I can't. But I just did it. That was one of the few things I've ever committed to in my life. In time, you were exposed to more different ideas and eating the tofu and the veggie burgers and then you eventually... It wasn't very long even though. No, it, there wasn't any time when... It was like three weeks when all of a sudden you said, don't buy meat for me anymore. I'm I'm done with it. So, and my friend who's probably listening to this is also going through, she's on like a adventure with a, like some life changing choices. And you're the only, like, I just think of myself. I'm the only thing in my way of being disciplined. I'm the only, only thing. I'm nothing. I so said like, I'm, I'm not missing a limb. I don't have any physical problems other than extra meat I'll call it meat hanging off my bones that's not it's just my mind is stopping me you know when you have hate for somebody or you don't like somebody at work I have issues with certain things I deal with with certain co-workers at work and the only reason things bother me is because of me it's not them it's me you know and if I get over myself 
these things about me, then those things don't exist, like. True. So, you can do it on any range, you know? Like, I'm not saying that you need to get over if someone's abusive to you and just get over having that bother you. No, I'm saying get the fuck out of there. Like, that's not acceptable. But on a day-to-day basis, don't have excuses for things that you claim you cannot do. Because you probably can. It's just you are in your own way. And that's it. That's it. Okay, so... <laughs> get over yourself. Get over, you, get over everything. No, so, just get over yourself. You are the obstacle to get over. Just, okay. You see what I did there? Okay, get over this now. <laughs> I'll remind you about our website. <laughs> you get over it. Ascully.com, sit.com. Catch us on Twitter, Facebook. Catch this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, the iTunes Music Store, Stitcher, or go to Ascully.com, click on the word podcast. All your subscription needs are there. Email me at ascully at ascully.com. Don't email SidTalk. Get over emailing her. And stay classy, Mr. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Age 46, died on the 2nd of February. You will be missed in the movies. I'm 46, so it's always a little bit to you think about enjoy your life more than you might have the day before. It's a weird thing, but it happens. And I'm going to say, think for yourselves, because if you don't do it, someone's doing it for you. 